A fire is burning at Ferrari over Mattia Bonato. The debate is on if the new regulations work. We reveal our most memorable moment of the past season. And what do we have to look forward to? Let's jump the start. What's up, everybody? Welcome in Jump to Start Racing Podcast. My name is Wellington. I am here with Ruben. Say hello. What's going on, guys? <laughs> Yancy. Hi. Yancy's a little under the weather. Mm-hmm. Jump to Start Racing Podcast. Make sure to follow us at Jump to Start F1 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, make sure to also leave a comment or review uh, on your favorite podcast platform. Um, before we get into it, I want to make sure to ask Ruben, at least for the last time this season, how was your weekend? Too short. It could not have been too short. Well, we just celebrated Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Thanksgiving was one day. I had to go back to work the next day and the following day. I thought you owned a business. I own a job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very quick response. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seemed that seemed prepared. Yeah, <laughs> that was a very quick response. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, how was your weekend? Since Ruben, my weekend was raining on my parade here. Too short, too too short. Whoa! No, I had a great weekend. I can't complain. I had a great week, actually. Congrats! Yeah, this guy's killing it, man. Yeah, man. I had a great week. Imagine if it was a hundred percent. Yeah. Did you guys uh, score any Black Friday deals? Cyber Monday? No. no. If you follow uh, at Jump to Start F1 on Instagram and Twitter, we'll, we'll tell you some Black Friday deals. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bunch. I just didn't. There aren't any. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying deals. If you if that's your thing, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. let's get into into the news. And and it's 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 news, but it's a rumor, it's heavily rumored. So Mattia Bonato, Ferrari F1 team boss Bonato to quit. That's on Reuters. So it's not official, but supposedly he and John Elkin are not uh, are not seeing eye to eye, which I guess you could tell by the way that the team has operated over the last couple of years, and. Um, Bonato has put in his I what I don't know what it is two week notice his two week notice yeah, um, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say here. There's been a lot of smoke. What's going on? With the smoke. A lot of smoke coming out of that <laughs> Ferrari garage. I feel like if you get close, you'll see the trailers on fire. <laughs> Whoa! Garage on fire. The F, what is it? The is on fire. Yeah, um, Ferrari standards are much like the Yankees here in Major League Baseball, um, where got to make the playoffs or got to win or you know have to have to have a certain level of success and Enzo uh, Ferrari and live was? up and live up to that Ferrari name. And Enzo Ferrari's take was a Ferrari is not winning. It's not a Ferrari. There you go. So, um, 
if this is true, I think the death knell for Bernardo was when he when they were actually in the midst of a championship fight at the beginning of the season, uh, and they started having their reliability issues and their strategy issues. That he did not; they weren't expecting to fight for the championship this season. So whatever they can get, they can get. Obviously, well, so something to that extent. Obviously, a comment like that is not going to sit well, not only with the Tafosi, but with the higher-ups at Ferrari, considering the kind of money that they're pouring into this team. Um, And they have poured into this team in the past. So if that is the attitude that your team principal has, the face of the Scuderia, which is Ferrari's bread and butter, which is Ferrari's main advertising and marketing uh, vehicle to to market their their sports car or their manufacturer uh, of a road car, and they're looked at as losers <laughs> and people who literally throw wins away. I don't think that sits well. With anybody, especially Ferrari lifers, including upper management. So, if that is indeed the case, if Mattia Bonato is, you know, pledging that we will win, but eventually, but not now, I don't, again, that's not going to sit too well with the higher ups, especially when you have a driver like Charles Leclerc, who's in his, entering his prime. And driving the way he has. And you have a good car. Hmm. I don't think he's going anywhere. Yet. Uh, no, I think I think he is. Yeah. I think that um I think there's a level of uh, so there's a level of frustration with Mattia Bonato that wasn't even there with his predecessor Mauricio Arriva Bene. But why is that? It's because they look like a freaking bunch of clowns. They look every week and they look like a bunch of clowns. It's true. And you cannot, you can if you're, I, I, it makes me want to vomit to say this. If you are the premier F1 team, right? Say that again. If. <laughs> you, can, you cannot be committing these, these boneheaded errors. Like, and, and still, Look, the, the old saying is that a fish thinks from the head down, right? And he is, he went from technical boss to team principal. And he can't just focus on the technical side. So, what was it, 2019 that they had the cheating engine uh, issue? Yeah. So, it's like his first year they had that. Was it his first year? Yeah, that was, he uh, yeah, that was his, yeah, he took over in 2019. They had that. Then it's just been, okay, we're coming back. Are they fully back? No, but they, they've made a lot of... At times, they had the best car on track. At times. Mm-hmm. Can't deny that. But then your, your team, it's not just about having a car. It's about having the car, the driver, and the team behind them. And it's always one of those things that gave out or two out of three that gave out. And they could just never put it together. And I can understand the frustration with the Ferrari faithful to just get rid of this guy and bring in somebody else that can actually manage an operation. So... Look, the way I see it is we saw, we saw, we see a guy like Zach Brown, right? 
He is the CEO. Then we mm-hmm. see Andreas Seidel. He is the team principal. He is the one in charge of all the other stuff, right? Maybe he needs to... Okay, so Elkan is the CEO, right? But maybe he needs to take on a different role. Maybe go back to technical director. I, he just, it, it, to me, it just doesn't work for him there. Maybe he's just not the right what, taskmaster would type. You need, would you need to... to um, the team principal role, and I think that McLaren has actually has a nice blueprint for how that works, right? But the team principal role... Is very political, at the same time technical. Now, what McLaren has done is that, obviously you have um, a Brown, Zach Brown, who handles all the political stuff, does the interviews, um, is the spokesperson for the team when it comes to any, you know, rule infringements or anything mm-hmm. like that. And you have Andrea Seidel as the mm-hmm. sporting director or whatever. I don't know what his... His actual title is, but he handles the on-track stuff. He handles the racing stuff. And if you can, that blueprint to me seems viable for any other F1 team. Um, Just like you have at Mercedes, you have Total Wolf. But So I was going to say the two top teams show that they don't need that. They have Total Wolf and Christian Horner who are... So involved in the politics, but they're also managing their yeah, operation. Yeah, but then you also have, they manage the operation, but you also have people under them like James Allison. An engineer. An engin- they're technical yeah, directors. They're technical directors, but, and then you have Christian Horner, who who handles all the politics, but then you also have Adrian Newey under, under him running all the, the operations of the car and building the car. So you have people there that are actually running the show that don't necessarily handle all the politics. And then Ferrari doesn't seem like they have that. So I think that, I think that maybe it's the and, and so with Ferrari, anytime that there's been a controversy in anything, you always hear from Total Wolf, you always hear from Christian Horner. Mm-hmm. Who's the next person you hear from? It's not Bonato. They always go to Andreas Seidel. They never talk or like Zach Brown. They never go to Bonato for commentary because he's just not of the political he, mind. That's the that's the whole point. And but you that you need. Somebody one to be political, but also to be the leader, and and like you said, the the fish stinks from the head down. It's that leader that not only puts that structure in place, but also deals with the politics and any bullets that come its way. Ferrari puts Bernardo in both of those roles, and it doesn't seem to work for them because they don't really have anybody. That's you know maybe Bernardo is the right guy for be a technical department, but he's not the guy to like, you know, you know, put down the whip when it needs to be done, right? And mm-hmm. and and then handle all the politics at the same time. It doesn't seem like that's his best skill set. Anytime you are managing a company or a business, the people that you have, you have to put them in the right place mm-hmm. in order for you to be efficient. It doesn't seem that Bernardo's most efficient place is the team principal. It would probably be like a technical director, some sort of like Andrea Seidel role, but not as the, face. the team principal, not the face, not the person that so handles that's what I see happening, the like, politics. I see him, I don't see him, I don't see him being canned. I see him taking a lesser role because he doesn't, it's too much for him. Yeah. I mean, he's Man. been with Ferrari. His whole career. His whole career. So that's why I said that's because of that is why I don't see him getting canned from Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Because he's been there his whole career. 
and he has been, a, you know, a good asset to the company. Yeah. And then you see. Maybe he didn't even want that role. Maybe he was forced into that role. <laughs> Look at the people I that think were. It's the reverse that you hear. The rumor is that he kind of like snaked Murray's Yeah, that's the rumor that you see. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's the whole. Like, but look at any other past team principal of Ferrari. You had a John Tott. You had uh, Stefano Ross Dominicali. Ross Braun. Ross, Ross Braun. No, but Ross Braun was a technical director under John Tott. John Tott. Okay. Power team, man. Yeah. Damn. So. But these are these are CEOs of companies that know how to manage a company. They're not technical guys. Stefano Dominicali, after he left Ferrari, went to run Lamborghini in their road car division. And then right. You know, and, and then and now he's now he's F one. So I mean, that's the type of thing. Like uh, Ross Braun is a technical guy. He went after he left Ferrari, he was a technical guy at at, at, at Mercedes. He never ran Mercedes because he's a technical guy at Mercedes. Well, he had his own team before that. Well, Braun, but that was just that one year. And then he sold it because he wanted to keep that team that team viable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, but eventually he knew that he had to sell it to Mercedes. Oh, somebody that come on. Yeah. So, speaking of Ross Braun. Speaking of Ross Braun. Nice segue. He is. Go ahead and hit the drop again, Ruben. Crash.net reports that. <laughs> Oh, a fantastic name, by the way. Crash.net reports that Ross Braun is shortlisted to replace <laughs> Mattia Bonato at Ferrari. Dude, what? He's he's basically basically running F1 at this point, right? Technical side, yeah. Right. So can you imagine the tremendous outcry that this guy, he lays out a whole new technical direction for F1. And then, oh, okay, guys, see you later. It's been a year. I'm going to go run Ferrari. So he's rumored as as uh, a lead candidate along with two other names. Mm -hmm. Listen to this one. Andreas Seidel, <laughs> reportedly an option but doesn't want to move, and potentially leaving Alfa Romeo, Frederick Vasseur, as a key candidate. That's the name that I've heard the most. So your boy, Freddie, Freddie Vassi, he's connected to <laughs> Charles Leclerc. He's been with them yeah, through F3, been absolutely. with them in Alpha, obviously mm -hmm. when they were together, Sauber when they were together. Yeah. It seems like a good, if, if you are really invested in Charles Leclerc, that seems like a good pairing to me. But that's all assuming that Matteo Bonato is even leaving, which is already a big assumption. Yeah, but I mean, if you don't want a technical guy at the head, why, why bring in Ross Braun? Uh, he's successfully run a team to a championship, a brand new team at that. That is true. That is true. And he can deal with DF1 politics. And he's liked Listen, and respected. If, if Ross Braun is given a team principal role, I'd rather be Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, 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 you would say that. <laughs> I would say that. Yeah. You would say that. Yeah. I don't think he, Ross Braun is going to leave that position. I don't think. Yeah, I think he, well, he no, he's about retiring. He's set to retire. His contract is up, so... I don't know. We'll see. I think Freddie was, if anything, Freddie Vasseur makes the most yeah. sense. But that is like coming, talk about being a uh, big fish in a small pond and now becoming a, uh, I won't say small fish, but a fish in a, a huge pond with Ferrari. And if it's Andreas Seidel, that's a big hit for McLaren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like a little backwards. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Are we good? Uh, are we good with this? Yeah. All right. So yeah, we then, talked. And then you know what? Uh, one thing I just want to mention: the the fact that Ferrari is going to change 
team principles, I think could mean it's a setback for them. Yeah, it is. I because agree. they have they need time to reacclimate to the new thing and it's just I think that they've been moving forward. Great. Yeah, they have, but it, it'll it'll be a step back before they move forward. I don't know, man. Have they been moving forward? Because 17, Sebo's right there. 18, Sebo's right there. Yeah, but and then like, 19, they sucked. Okay, that's under yeah, direction. And then they moved, and then they, in, in 2020, they're just fighting in the midfield. And now they're fighting, they, you know, they just got second place. So it has been a progress forward. They're winning races where they were nowhere near in 18. And I mean, in 19. They had 12 of 22 poles. Yeah. That so, was way off my yeah, prediction. But, yeah. But, I mean, it looked like it at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it might be. It's a tough call, man. It's a tough call. We will see. We know that continuity eventually breeds success. Right. Look how long. Total Wolf, Christian Horner. Yeah. They've all been there. The most successful teams right there. Yeah. And then we've also seen teams in various sports leagues where they keep changing management and uh, they just never win. So we'll see. Uh oh. Detroit Lions. Um, so <laughs> we talked about it a little bit last week. Daniel Ricardo confirmed as the Red Bull's third driver. Uh, third. third driver. We talked last week about how it's going to keep Checo honest. Yeah, so you want me to add this to the outline today? What did uh, did you want to bring up anything separate? Yeah, there was an article in Motorsport where Zach Brown said that it could be Daniel Ricardo's fastest way back onto the F one grid. Hmm. Um, and he cited um Nick DeVries's um drive for Williams when somebody when I think it was Alex Alvin that got sick all of a sudden he outperformed the car and his teammate and all of a sudden he got an F1 drive um, that's true yeah yeah um, a lot of people didn't look at it that way uh, until I I mean I didn't look at it that way I thought it was a step back to be the third I mean leaving one of the top who was now the top team to come back as their reserve driver but to be, to, if your goal is to be back at the top, if you're a reserve driver for one of the Red Bulls and something happens, that might be, uh, that's an interesting, uh, you put the Twilight Zone thing on. Um, that's an interesting, uh, <laughs> an interest, it's an interesting uh, viewpoint from Zach Brown, of all people, who fired Daniel Ricciardo. No, I still think this has, has to do with a lot with, with everything else that comes around with Daniel Ricardo as well. You know, the advertisement aspect of it, the face of it, the likable that he is and stuff like that. So it's it's a complete it's a package that Red Bull is getting with him. And he he's and I know they're getting it cheap. I think it works for it works for Red Bull in the sense that when when he went to McLaren, we expected him with Lando to just bring this hilarious, funny atmosphere, like just two guys just, you know, racing and having fun. Mm-hmm. We didn't really get a lot of that, to be honest. We got them all with signs. Because Ricardo yeah. just sucks so much. Um, but I think that with Red Bull, it's going to, because also he's the third driver, it's going to just open him up to be able to do that type of thing. I don't know. Well, he still has to drive. To survive, right? Yeah. So to I mean, survive. So <laughs> I don't know how that's going to look. <laughs> drive to survive. He's probably going to be Daniel boring Paul. as hell. Yeah. He is the star of that show. Whoa. He is. Uh, yeah, he is, actually. Yeah. So F1 wheel 
F1 wheel arches plan motivated by scars of Spa 2021 fiasco. So the race had an article showing what looked like a concept of uh, something that the uh, FIA is looking to introduce and possibly test out. Mud flaps. Basically mud flaps, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, uh, based on their diagram of what the wheel spray will look like, it looks like it'd be good. Cool looking mud flaps. Cool yeah. looking mud flaps. So we saw that we had issues with Japan, Singapore. This season, we had just a lot of races that were delayed. Nobody wanted to go on the wet tires due to the spray that comes from them and it's unsafe to drive on them basically i don't know i mean me personally i don't like this idea at all to be honest with you you guys tell me i'm wrong please why not the whole purpose the whole purpose of the wet tires is to generate that spray to remove the water from the track now you're introducing a mud flap that is going to mitigate the ability of those tires to remove the water from the track or at least to displace it from the racing line. So, like, what's the point? Yeah, it won't it won't be as efficient. I think you're correct, but there's still going to be some water removed from the waste with the racing line. Um, hmm. Remember, what you don't want is you want the spray to go outwards, but you don't want it to go up in the air where you can't see anything. The issue now is that a lot of the downforce that's generated by these cars is through the floor which also allows all that air to if there's <clears throat> if there's water coming up to to the air through those tires remember there's a high pressure going under the car that's going to push it backwards as well so if you can what you're trying to do is lower the spray not necessarily eliminate it but you're just trying to lower it so it's not blocking somebody's view it's much like if you see the difference between the spray of the uh of the, there was a, some pictures uh, when we had this issue. What was it in, in Japan? Um, yeah. Comparing the spray of the safety car due to an F1 mm-hmm. car, and the safety car it had some spray, but it was low. The F1 car was high, like a wave. Yeah, like a wave. You couldn't see anything behind it. Look, look, it looked like it looked like somebody painted the sky white. So. Um, I'm glad that they're trying to do something about it because at least now we can get some wet racing. Right now, it feels like anytime there is a wet race, we can't even... I mean, every time there is wet conditions, you can't even race. No, it's funny. You said that the wet tires were used to disperse the water to clear the racing line? Yeah, that's the point. I didn't think it was for that. No, I thought it was... That's literally the point. No, I thought it was pretty much similar to, like, you know, when you're a road car to throw the water away from your... And the and the issue and the, <laughs> you're saying the same thing. I got you. The, the issues, the issues with the dri- with the drivers is not necessarily that they can't control the car in wet conditions. I don't think that's the issue. The issue with them is that they can't see. So if they can mitigate that issue, then we get some wet races, and it'll be actually pretty entertaining. We've seen uh, races where weather's involved, where it becomes very entertaining. Those were a race in, in, in Monza. Well, when Pierre Gasly, yeah. Wasn't yeah. Turkey a couple of years ago crazy because of the weather too? Yeah, it was. Well, it was yeah because it oh, was no, a brand new track. Yeah, and it, it was like driving on glass. Yeah, so. exactly. So, but it was entertaining. Yeah, well, I don't it, think it was necessarily um, safe, but it was entertaining. But it's always that. It's always finding the edge. And there was one in Germany as well where a whole bunch of cars uh, crashed out in the. Yes, that was in Hockenheim. Mm-hmm. That was a fun race too. Yeah, yeah. and the spray. You, you could. I mean. 
was our casa went out, but you didn't see that much spray. Even the old races, you don't see that much spray coming yeah. out of the car. I mean, it has to do with, with arrows, but the, the driving point, you know, you said with the floor and the whatever the the wind that the car throws out. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, uh, if they get rid, if they can mitigate that spray, I think it'll be. You won't get like a spa and. Pretty much like a washout. Yeah, like or a like washout. A, or these extended rec flap periods that are just ridiculous. It's worth a test, but then like, what do you do to test it? Do you shoot the, the old Bernie idea of just shooting water with sprinklers and driving across <laughs> it? I don't know. I mean, that's what they do at some other tracks where I race high. They do that at Fiorano all the time. Oh, uh, true. true. Yeah? Yeah, they do it true. at Fiorano. They also do it at Paul Ricard. Mm. Right. Wow. Good so, to know. Lastly, as part of the news here, Jetta reveals F1 track tweaks ahead of the 2023 race. So they're going to be an early race in the calendar. They're scheduled for March 19th, my brother's birthday. Um, Happy birthday. Yeah. Brother, yeah. But there's, uh, they're opening up the, uh, basically the sight lines. T f- turns 14, 20, tw- uh, 22 and 23, I want to say. Yeah, 22 and 23. Because it's such a high-speed track, I felt claustrophobic watching them drive through it. Yeah. So they're they're pushing back the um, they're pushing back the fence I guess or the, the fence and the grandstand so that it can improve the sight lines through the corner. I only see this as a good thing. Definitely not a bad thing. It might reduce the speed a little bit in some areas of the track, but um, yeah, it, you know, and there's there's a lot of issue with you know traffic or a car that's slowing down. The you biggest, can't see it. yeah, the, the the biggest issue in enough what when it comes to crashes is difference of speed if you have a car that's slowed down in front of you and you're coming in at 180 miles an hour and then you don't see that car especially going through those corners uh something really dangerous could happen um so i think yeah so it's only a good thing and i don't think it'll affect the racing much at jetta it probably makes a bet yeah because now the guys it's a f- super fast track now we got more visibility we could punch them more. Yeah. And they, they could follow each other, Brad, too. They also install beveled curbs, uh, t- turn 4, 8, 10, 11, 17, and 23. And rubble lines have been placed at turns 3, 14, 19, 20, and 21. That's to keep drivers from running wide and to slow them down. So it was a crazy high-speed track last year. So they're trying to make it safer just in uh, overall a couple of ways. Yeah, I think it was a turn that, the where do they put where are they putting the bubble um I just closed the article. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Four, eight, ten, eleven, seventeen, twenty-three. Yeah, I think it was Hike! turn eleven. <laughs> at turn eleven, that's where uh, I think Carlos Sainz went off and Schumacher went off. So they put those bubble turns so they know. I think the problem there was that they were going over the curbs and it was destabilizing the car and it was going out of control. So. Okay. I think there's going to be more tweaks going to a track as we go more and more, as we learn more. I, I it's still like a since second year. So. Guaranteed that's also going to happen with Miami. Yeah. Right? And Las Vegas hasn't been announced, but whatever if it, whatever the second year is, they're just going to make tweaks. What's wrong with the first year we went there? That was a crazy race. Which one? The first year we went to Jeddah. That was a crazy race. Not us, but... Meaning F1. F1. <laughs> My bad. He considers himself. You know, okay, Ross, bro. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's my dad, man. Yeah. <laughs> Ruben Braun. Yeah. Rubron, for sure. Rubron. <laughs> All right, so, Ruben, let's hit the recap button here. You want that one, huh? 
gentlemen, a short view back to the past. It's a season recap, dude. Oh, you're not going to finish it? You asked me a question directly before. <laughs> I would have finished it, but you see, now it's too late. I gave him an out. <laughs> All right, so here's my question to you boys. Ruben, let's start with you. Thoughts on the 2022 season? And if you want, you can rate it out of 10 in comparison to like other seasons. Hmm. That was a nine. Nine out of 10? Yeah. Okay, well, what are your thoughts? Why? why no, no, why? because of, we had, I, I think this is the first time that we're so involved in knowing things about F1 and all these unexpected things that he brought this year because everything was pretty much new. It was new car, new regulations, new all this stuff. So I say nine because a lot of the tracks kept us, you know, kept us on our toes. We had races that we thought were going to be awesome and they were whack. And we had races that, you know, that brought us unexpected results and stuff like that. So, Yancy, what are your thoughts? I'll say five. I'll say say five. (laughs) I'll say a six. Why is that? Definitely was not as exciting a season as 2022. Sorry, 2021. uh, Because we didn't have a championship race throughout the entire Mm -hmm. season. Um, I thought that the amount of... Yeah. The amount of good races probably equaled the amount of good races from the previous season as well. Um, The only plus is that we did see that the cars can follow closer. So there was better racing. But I think the better racing was regulated more to the midfield. Um... Yeah, but there's a lot to build on this season, especially mm-hmm. when the cards are going to be more, you know, there's not many technical changes, so you're going to have the you're going to I think you're going to have the field close up and especially with the um with the sliding scale in a CFD time and the budget cap. But it wasn't, you know, I'm I'm not going to put it as one of the best F1 seasons ever. I mean, that's what, when you put, when you put a season at nine or 10 Mm -hmm. or even an eight and a half, that's like the most memorable season. You can easily put 2021 as a nine because of, because you went, literally the championship battle went to the last race of the season. And almost, almost last lap. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, um, almost both of them. And on top of that, you also had remember we had those those regulations were in place since 20 you know 2014 2017 was another like 2017 was the last big arrow regulations mm-hmm. and those regulations were pretty much still in place up until 2021 so there was a confluence of engines being similar and also aerodynamics being similar so there was i think there was better racing uh, last year than this year. This year, there's a lot. There's a lot of good things that are happening, but I think we'll see the fruit of that going forward next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say I'd give it a seven out of ten because part of, in part because of what Yancy said, but I also have to kind of qualify that because a banger of a season where the championship goes down to the last race that it's not the the last time that that happened was. 
2016 mm -hmm. from last year. That's five years ago. And then the last time before that was uh, obviously one of the, I forget which one, the one of the ones where uh, Vettel, where Vettel beat uh, Alonso. Alonso. Yeah. So it, it's something that is, it's rare to come up, not rare, but it's uncommon to come across. Right. Mm -hmm. However, there were, more often than not, there were races that we came out of. It, even though we had Max and Red Bull basically just dominate the year, right? They had he had alone fifteen wins. There were some bangers, like the races were they were great in mm -hmm. comparison to if you go back to when uh, basically twenty twenty and before the before times when just Mercedes, the Mercedes dominated. dominated. It was, they, a lot of races were extremely uninteresting. Mm -hmm. And like the cars just didn't pass that much, and it was just like ah, the, I think that the regulations played a lot into it. I think that just the spectacle in general is just getting better. Um, the the reason why I knocked it down to sorry, you scared me with your foot there. No. The reason why I knocked it down to seven is because, and it's something we're gonna talk about, is just the ever present. Uh, how is the FIA and the race direction and whatever just going to screw up this race between safety and like just weird calls and like why did they give this guy a penalty but not that it was like waiting it, it, it's bad in the NFL it's even worse in the MLB and now it's like it's so prevalent in Formula One that it just really it really kind of takes away from the sport at this point yeah that, that's a very good point so we talked about the regulation changes. What are you guys' thoughts? We talked lightly on it. What are you guys' thoughts on the regulation changes themselves? Actually, let me lead the witness. So I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna go through. I saw this on Reddit earlier today. Thanks to Nathan underscore underscore fourteen oh nine posted nine hours ago. He compared overtakes. During particular races from 2021 to 2022, the changes. So I'm just going to go through and read all the standouts. Australia, obviously 2019, 12 overtakes, 34 this year. There were some layout changes there. Mm -hmm. So that's a standout. Hungary, 17. That was a wet race in, in 2020, 2021, 62 this year. Hungary's not known for overtakes, right? Mm -hmm. Belgium. 2020 because of the wet race in 2021 32 75 overtakes this year right the united states 32 last year 83 this year <laughs> so in in total that he, he broke it down there's an average of 36 overtakes per race in 2021 45 this year 2022 uh, average overtake so i i feel like it's a lot of that comes down to the ability to follow closely these new regulation changes and also also because of the regulation changes, the teams are just much closer together. They haven't been able to break themselves apart. What are you guys' thoughts? No, I think that this this um, is a big result of like the new regulations and it's just... I think most of this, obviously, we don't know the details of, but most of this probably came from the midfield, and that was where we had that super tight race on the back, back and forth battles. And we had, like, you know, some of the DRS trains that we saw at the beginning and all that other stuff. And this, this guy spent his time on this, and this is dope. <laughs> he should win the Crypto Overtake Award. 
<laughs> did, did anybody really win that? Did they, I don't did know if it's still a thing. Crypto stole down. I, I don't know if like FTX is done. I don't know if crypto.com is still around. <laughs> um yeah. Listen, the the it seems that the regulations are working. Obviously we did see I don't I don't I mean we obviously we saw more overtakes, but we also saw more close racing. We also saw that cars can follow, even though there wasn't an overtake. There was still that tension where, oh, somebody might overtake somebody at the end of the race or for a certain position. So I think we did see more of that. Um, and we also saw uh, at the end where if you went on a different strategy, there could be a possibility that that car that's fighting for first place can overtake the person in first place. We saw that a lot this season as well. Mm-hmm. If you follow the strategy, sometimes... If it works. Yeah, sometimes... Most of the time that didn't happen, but at least you had that tension at the end of the race going into the last lap. That's definitely something that we did not see in the previous seasons. So... It's still not good enough, though. Okay. It's still something that the field has to come closer. Um, but we're gonna hopefully we'll see that going forward. Any thoughts, Ru? No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> so, building off of that, one of the th- actually one of the things I did want to talk about is that they need to continue their desire and ability to constantly iterate on this design on, on these regulations as we saw with the porpoising uh, it wasn't even an issue as the teams went on later on in the year I don't know if it's the if it was the team adjustment or if it was a regulation change that mm-hmm. kind of helped that the most but it could like, be a little bit of both yeah it's a balance of both. Yeah. Confluence of things. I like that term. All right, so <laughs> most memorable moment or theme? That is my question to you guys. And I, I can le- I'll lead off and I'll I'll say I'll say two things, right? And I'm gonna go with themes. Number one I already talked about, and it is just the FIA just getting in the way everywhere at every opportunity. There's an old saying, right? At the end of the game basketball football in the fourth quarter towards the end you just kind of you got to let them play right you got to let the players play so what i'm talking about is what was it uh the u.s grand prix yeah where they they just could and it's a microcosm right but they just completely screwed everything up to the point where leclerc got that penalty and max won the championship and it's like oh yeah max won the championship when nobody like really knew like oh japan I'm sorry. Yes, Japan. And nobody really knew, like, oh yeah, he's supposed to be. Dude, just just forget about it. Forget about it till next race. Who cares? Same thing in Spa. I think where I think uh, Leclerc again got a penalty. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he cut the last chicane, getting yes in Checo. Yep. So it's just like, dude, what are we? I understand that there need to be some. It's something blatant. Yeah. Okay. Of course. But. There, uh, to me, it just there seems to be just a prevalence of the FIA having to stick its nose into it. The whole thing with uh, Gasly comes to mind as well, where they're telling him he's wrong. Meanwhile, there's a 
tractor on the on the on the track. Uh, the whole cost cap thing, where it's like, oh yeah, they might uh, take away points, they might do this, they might, and it's just like, why are why one was it why was it even leaked, and then two, why can't we just decide this behind closed doors before it even gets out to the public before there's a war of words? It's like, uh, and then okay, second most memorable <laughs> theme. I felt like I was complaining. Second most memorable theme. You were is um. We, I, I sent you guys a the moment from Silverstone where it was Fernando Alonso, I think Carlos Sainz. No, it was Leclerc. Fernando Alonso, Leclerc, Hamilton, and two other cars. Just a five-way fight in the midfield at Silverstone. It was crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Better than MotoGP. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Steven. But we saw a lot of that this year. We saw a lot of uh, just packs of Packs of overtaking cars, basically. Mm-hmm. It was just like roaming, overtaking cars. And, and I think it is a testament as to how close the teams are now and a testament to the regulations. We saw I, a lot I of, give la- them a lot of last lap battles, too. Not, not necessarily at the front, but in the midfield as well. Yeah. yeah. Vettel coming to... Uh, beating uh, Mick? Or? Uh, no, uh, Magnussen. Beating Magnussen at... Uh, damn it, what race was that? One of the last races of the year. Right, and then Daniel Ricciardo with Vettel as well. Yeah. I mean, there was a saw, lot of that stuff. There was a lot of that stuff at the at the in the last lap because the cars could follow closer. Any uh, moments or themes throughout? For the me, just I mean, obviously you just brought one to mind from that where um, where Hamilton pretty much just over to check on I believe Ricardo as well at the same time on the yeah. same turn. That that was a moment right now just oh, popped okay. up from, from so what you were saying. Just basically what I. But said. wait, wait! But I got another one. Do you want to copy off my homework? Some someone I could pass. If I copy up your homework, I pass. You better not say what I'm about to say. Uh, no, I'm, the one I'm going to say is the, the Magnuson one in Brazil. They were, they were, they was the team was that so was happy awesome. they were celebrating like they won the championship. Yeah, that, and that, that was, was awesome. the, that was a moment awesome. for me. The... For a team like that to get that, that obviously it was pure, you know, the the times or whether the weather helped a ton, and the, of course, but it was. Dope for them. Probably one of the most exciting moments for me. And it, it did happen in the span of the first few races, but uh, battle in, uh, in Jeddah between uh, Max Verstappen and I forgot to, to say that one, yeah. Win. <laughs> that you one. Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to say that one. <laughs> like, the way that battle was shaping up to be at the beginning of the season, uh, with obviously, you know, obviously Ferrari had the one lap pace getting pulled, but Max was right there with him, fighting for for not only the championship for the race win, but in 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 Jeddah that was that was exciting, and I thought we were gonna get that throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we didn't, but um, but that was that was pretty memorable, man. And yeah, I wish uh, we need more of that, especially at the front. No, no, and going back to that moment you said, obviously, he brought out some, when you saw it, brought memories of the year before with Hamilton and Max yeah. going on that race. And mm-hmm. the moment with yours is, remember also, Ferrari was on that race on the edge because they were having reliability issues as well. So, the, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously just the first couple of races pushed into And just both. like, the, you know, the trickery of, you know, I want the RS first, not yep, the RS. Yep. Like, the, all the, of that. The cat and mouse game. All of that stuff was, yep. you know, it was like, yeah, it was exciting, man. That was that was fun. <laughs> that was a good. A that's good what point. that's what you want to see, man. We even had oh, yeah, we had some of that in other races too, man. What could have been, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I, it all fell apart. Let's go real quick through pluses and minuses throughout the year for some of these teams, right? So, 
so I'll give you guys an example. So we're going to go from the bottom up. Williams, right? Plus, their car doesn't look like it's lost in the sauce. Granted, they had some issues, and yes, they did finish last place by a long shot, but we did see Alex Albon put it in some good places throughout the year. Alex Albon, for most of the year, was just off the points. Yeah. He didn't score points, but he was just off the points. Yep. It's unfortunate that the, the yeah. other driver was nowhere near him. Yeah. I mean, some races he was, or some qualifiers he was close, but it's... Not enough. Right. You know? Look, Azerbaijan, 12. Canada, 13. Austria, 12. France, 13. He scored, 10 in, he scored 10th in Belgium, 12th in Zandvoort, 12th in Mexico. He was close mm-hmm. all year. We're talking about the slowest car on the grid. Yes. Yeah. So, so I guess another plus is that they lose uh, Nicholas Latifi. Yeah. <laughs> Logan Sargent coming in. Plus a guy like Alex Albon coming you, back. You, you gain by losing. <laughs> yeah. Plus, remember, it was Albon's first year back as well. So he was coming back to a different team, different card. You know, he didn't come up with them. Yeah, I mean, a big minus for them, though, is just that they're the slowest car. They have a long way to go to catch up to teams that are improving ahead of them. Yeah, it just goes to show you how much of a difference a good driver can have. Yes. Because um, look what the Brees did. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, and, uh, and Alex Alban, when they had a chance to score points, did score points for them. So. Okay. Alpha Tori. Plus, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's a good plus for them. They looked bad all year and they made their drivers look bad all year. But Their driver looked bad all year. I think the only plus is that they uh, they got Nick DeVries. That's yeah. the only plus I could think of. Yeah. yeah, but that's going into next season. doesn't really help them out this season. Negative? Everything else, because they were like yeah. the biggest disappointment of the year Maybe to me. Probably, yeah, yeah, I was about to say that. They're probably the biggest disappointed, disappointment on the grid because they were a team that were consistently fighting for points last season, the season before. Yeah. Um, and that car suited Pierre Gasly very well. And obviously, if Sonoda were up to speed, but obviously he was a rookie uh, last this, season. Last season, not this past season. No, 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 last, yeah, last season. So this is second freaking year. Second freaking year, and then the car wasn't We used to be better, yeah. And they also had a lot of strategy blunders. They're not very good strategically. Look at Yuki Sonoda from Monaco on. 17, 13, retired. 14, 16, retired. 19, 13, retired. 14, retired. 13, retired. 10th in the U.S. Grand Prix, retired, 17-11. Guy's like, his brain was overheating, right? That was yep. a joke that we used all year, and that's literally what he said. It's like, dude, stop thinking and just drive. Do what you did to get to F1. Drive. Yeah. Haas, pluses, moving in the right direction, yes. for sure. Yeah, right? absolutely. Kevin Magnuson, we just talked about that pole position. Uh he scored a fifth all the way out in Bahrain. They they really put in. Granted, their second half of the season wasn't that great, mm-hmm. but they they definitely took a step forward. Kevin Magnuson, man, like how did this guy not have a drive? It's to me, it's a little like looking back. It's just like, what are we doing here? Victim of the car, victim of the car yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. And he car. came back with a vengeance because to me, he was one of the biggest surprises of the year as yeah. far as the, the guy the way he was driving the car. I'll be honest with you, when, when uh, I mean, the last time before, obviously, the uh, the Uralkali era, <laughs> you had Kevin Magnuson and Roman Grosjean as their two drivers. I think the only driver of the two that deserved to lose his drive was Roman Grosjean. Mm-hmm. 
Kevin Magnuson did not deserve to lose to to lose his drive. Uh, so the fact that they asked him back when, when, <laughs> when uh. When Nikita Mazepin stepped on it, uh, or the Russian, or the Russian stepped on it, um, was a testament how valued he was at that team. But they just needed the money. Um, but he's a solid driver. He's always he always has been. He's you know has been a, a a really solid driver. He's inconsistent, yes, but when he needs to be quick, he's quick. And the thing I think is going in the right direction now. Absolutely, a, a minus. Before I say mine and you guys tar and feather. I'd say the minus with them is they still having money issues. That's I think that the minus with them is that they're going with Nico Hulkenberg. Gotcha. Because there are so many other drivers out there. No? You disagree? No. Me too. There are so many drivers out there that Who? have higher ceiling. Theo Porsche doesn't even have a driver next year. He's a, the Who? alpha. Yeah, exactly. Theo Porsche. They're... There, Schwartzman. There are guys team, out there. There are they are a team that is on the way up, meaning from the tail end of the grid up to the midfield. When you are in the midfield, every little point counts, and you need guys who can score points. Nico Hulkenberg may not be the quickest. But he is a proven point scorer. Magnuson, on a good day, is a proven point scorer. He yeah. showed that this season. The car is not that great. And as we have seen in Williams, we mentioned in Williams, that if you have a driver at the caliber of like an Alex Alban who has F1 experience and is a proven point scorer, you can move that car higher than what it is rated at. Pretty much and that is exactly why they're keeping Kevin Magnuson and bringing in Nico Hulkenberg. Pretty much Hulk, do drive, what you did with Renault. Yeah, That's drive, do drive that car into positions where it does not belong when the chances are there and score the points. I can't wait to see it. The two guys involved in the now infamous suck my balls, mate, as teammates. <laughs> as teammates. Aston, Martin, music. Aston Martin. The, we'll never get some music after that, by the way, because they were not that great. But they were didn't surprise at all. You know, on the plus side, for a long time, they looked like the worst car on the grid. And they improved all the way up to seventh place on the back of Sebastian Vettel. The um, retiring Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. Carried the team. Yeah. They, um, uh, I don't know, man. So they scored 55 points, 37 of which were from Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> so as a positive, they, their car is getting better. They're getting money infused. They are bringing in Fernando Alonso. There, there's a lot, I think, to be positive here for, for them going forward. Do you want to you know what the one negative is? What? I think it's a person. <laughs> we all know. It's a driver. <laughs> we all know. It's Vance Stroll. Yeah. That is the one negative on that team. And he ain't going nowhere. I go back and forth with mine. Sometimes he looks brilliant. Other times it's like, dude, where are you? He's, there's, there's times that he's racing high in the points. And I'm like, yo, how the hell did I What did he get here? Yeah. Like, how did he get because here? Because they don't focus on him because he has that, <laughs> that person, not the persona, but like he has that stigma on him now. 
that they don't even show him basically, and it's just like, and when they do show him, he's, he's making a mistake. Cra- he's crashing into, <laughs> or, into blocking Alonso, somebody. or like that was crazy. <laughs> or blocking somebody, <laughs> Alonso driving his tank around. <laughs> I'm not. Hey, they're gonna be teammates. Yeah, I'm... that's why he didn't say anything. No nah, man, I mean uh, Stroll is. If it was any other team, they would have got rid of him. Long time ago, yeah. I think it's a team with a bright future. To be 100 percent honest. No, it is. I, it definitely is. They were infusing the money. Even uh, Fernando Alonso, uh, when he drove it for the uh, Abu Dhabi test the, after the, the season. Uh, the winter season test. Ended, the winter test. Not the winter test. No? No. It's the one right after the last race in Abu Dhabi. He drove the car without That's any of He drove. There's there's tests right after the last No, race. no. Yeah, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of the, what they call those races. It's called the Abu Dhabi test. Yeah, the Abu yes. Dhabi test. Um he drove the car <laughs> with no stickers on because obviously he's still contracted to Alpine. But he said that there was a huge difference between the Alpine and the Austin Martin. Jeez. That of he feels he that, that the future is bright. Yeah, this is the best car ever. And compared to a piece of shit. I believe him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that future is bright. Alfa Romeo, dude, what they didn't score they scored four points after Canada. How many points up the count? Four total points after you know, I, And And yes, what are you going to say, Yancy? Both does what? Well, the only reason they play so high is because of Botas. And he doesn't yeah. suck. He never, no, don't talk bad about Botas. Don't go too bad. Yeah. But, but, you know, Alpha does what, Alpha Romeo does what they usually do. They start they off start hot and then they just fall off. Tank. They after don't develop. The, they, they don't tank develop. Tank after the summer break. There's no positives, but the look, the negative for me is Zhou Guan Yu needs to get his act together. Is basically what it comes down to for me. All right, moving on. Mc- <laughs> McLaren. McLaren Mercedes, let's call it. They have one of the best young drivers on the grid. Yeah, I think he would be it's sacrilege to say it, right? You put him in a Red Bull or a Mercedes, he's challenging for the driver's championship. You could say the Lando? same. Yeah. Wow. Okay. He's. You don't think he's that good? No. Jeez, that's a big statement. He was he was best of the rest. He was seventh place. What? In the McLaren, that wasn't the next best car. We'll talk about that car, yeah. but. I think that uh, he's good. Any positives on McLaren? Any other positives? They got rid of Ricardo. <laughs> That's a positive, actually. I don't think... Negative right now? It's neutral. We don't know where they're going. Right. I think the car's going backwards, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, it's not. They got beat by Alpine. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't... And honestly, the fact that they were even... The fact that, that they were even in that race for fourth... Was because Alpine had such bad reliability issues, but they got. I mean, but that's what happens when only one of your drivers is scoring, though. Well, I mean, but the car wasn't that good, and you have Mercedes engine. Hmm. The car needs to do better. So Alpine. So that's the negative. That's the. Sorry, Yance's laptop got unplugged. (laughs) My bad. Uh, so anyway, Alpine, that's the negative. Seven retirements across the whole season. That was a lot. Almost as Too much. Too much. 
yeah, it's too much to be considered a serious uh, threat in the constructor. But that's always been like their their thing. Yeah, Renault, I'm the Renault Bull. engine with Red Bull. Also a negative, they're losing Fernando Alonso, who, granted, he was beaten in the standings by Esteban Ocon. That still was 81 points. So, one, two, three, he four. He also had no luck, though. He had five retirements, and he scored a 19th. I think that was a retirement that he had finished enough laps to be able. So, let's call it six retirements, and he still scored the 81 points. Jeez. Jesus um, Christ. So, losing a driver that caliber is a big negative. What are the positives there? Uh, McLaren? No, Al- Al- Alpine. Al- Alpine? Ooh. It's going to be an interesting year for them. Because they, I'll tell you what, what, what was a positive at, at, uh, at Alpine. Alpine or Re- slash Renault, the past few years before this year, seemed to be only quick at these high speed tracks where you got long straights. The aerodynamically, they suffered. This year, I saw a huge improvement in that, where they were able to, to um, battle for high points positions at tracks where everybody thought they weren't going to be any mm-hmm. good. Um, and not only that, their one-lap pace was great um, in qualifying. It just seems like they have they, they made a step up aerodynamically where they can not only challenge at fast tracks, but at also at tracks where it's very technical. Um which bodes well for Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly in, in, in the upcoming years. They have to solve their engine problems. Though. That was their big thing, in my view. No, that, that's, you're, you're hit around the mark. And I think one of the positives is the, I guess, the, you could say maybe the stance that uh, Ocon is showing. He's back to being aggressive like he was in the past. Yeah. I so, think that's a huge plus. Esteban Ocon, in general, being such a good The maturity driver, that he's getting now is a huge plus for them. And he he's showing now that he could be a team leader. Okay, let's get into the heavyweights. Where do you want to go next? Mercedes, negative or positive? Jesus. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> okay, so Ruben, start us off with some positives. Or a positive. A positive? Uh, pretty much the pace that we're showing at the end of the year, which is it's going to be changed because now the front wing has to be changed. Okay. So that's a positive, but... Could lead to a negative. That's pretty much it. I mean, Josh Russell killed it too. Agree or disagree? They have head and shoulders the best driver lineup on the grid. I agree with that. That's my positive for them. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Now, my positive for them is their driver lineup. Their engine's going to be a decent engine, obviously. It's a Mercedes engine. They have a lot to solve. As far as the concept of the car and yes. how it's going to perform right. technically. However, the reason why they were able to place third and they were able to even challenge for second was because of their driver lineup. Obviously, there's no need to talk about how great Lewis Hamilton is. He's a GOAT. But George Russell, even though he tailed off at the end of the season, even though at the end of the season he did get his first win, Brazil. Huh? Brazil. He was literally the top five driver in almost every race. Yeah. 
He was okay. top five like almost yeah. every race. <laughs> that driver lineup kept Mercedes in it. Absolutely. The consistency, you mean, on the yeah. scoring points and stuff like that. And yes, George Russell did beat Lewis Hamilton on points. Mm-hmm. But we saw how great Lewis Hamilton was. And I think Lewis Hamilton at the end of the season was hampered because he was basically the um, the the test dummy. The testing dummy. <laughs> and trying new parts and getting that car back on track. So I think the strength for them is also just their organization. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, like, just the so we talked about with Ferrari earlier in this episode, the drivers, the car, and then the team. Mm-hmm. The team is just freaking killer, and I've I've full confidence that they'll be able to figure things out. The negative though is they have a vastly different concept than everybody else. So we haven't seen so the Red Bull pods are different than the Ferrari pods and the Mercedes. They don't even have pods. We haven't seen which concept is the is the right one. There is still performance to be gotten from all of them. Mm-hmm. We don't know who's going down the wrong path, but I would have to say, like, if most teams are going one way, one way and Mercedes isn't, there's a strong chance that they could be going down a path that they can cap their performance, at least their aerodynamic performance mm-hmm. and their cooling performance, which we've seen them have problems with. They could cap their performance and then have to go backward to then restart their development in a direction that teams are already going to have two, three, four years heads up or Mm -hmm. head start. Mm -hmm. That is a potential huge negative for them. Okay. I'm going to say negatives, Ferrari, Ruben, lead us off. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you would love this opportunity. Uh, Let's see. Where do we start? (laughs) Uh, the team itself, <laughs> everything on the team has to has to be changed. From the just do anything that could steer you over from the means, <laughs> especially the clown heads. <laughs> everything the team did, every, every race we went to this week, this year, was what is Ferrari going to do to F the race for the drivers? Yeah. <laughs> every race. <laughs> They got to get out of that. Out really, of that you're really enjoying this, aren't you? No, well, that's no, why it, I went there. Yeah. No, because the reason why I keep saying this is because it was really happening. It's not like I'm making it up because I hate it like Jens tried to put me on. <laughs> you are a hater. That's, there's no doubt about that. No, man. Yes, yeah, so do you want to add to those negatives? Yeah, it, it, it's pretty obvious to me that... Um, there's a reason why we were talking about those rumors about Bernardo being out um, and bringing in new leadership at Ferrari. Um, it's clear that um, one, they can't develop the way they're supposed to develop uh, because obviously we saw that car drop off. Not necessarily a one-lap pace, but as a race car, considering how strong they were at the beginning of the season. We also saw, and I think this was the story of the season, the strategy mishaps that literally cost them race wins at points. Um, And that all comes from the top. Ferrari has a big issue. And I, there are some upsides technically as far as the car that it's obviously a great car, works well aerodynamically, there's a big big boost in engine performance as well but none of that matters if you can't get you can't get your races right and you can't uh, you know not only perform on pit stops but on strategy as well 
we saw that that takes away any progress that you've made. They need to get themselves in order. The last race of the season I thought was a positive for them because it seems like they performed well on all aspects, but they got to show it. If not, they're just not going to go nowhere. They'll be, they'll be the third-place team, and, and Mercedes will overtake them. Uh, so I'm going to give you a tale of two drivers. One is positive, one is negative. I'll give you the positive one first. We saw, at times, Carlos Sainz going against the team, which helped him win win a race, essentially, when he was saying, I got to come in or I'm staying out, or he was not afraid to make his own calls, right? Yeah. So... That has been a plus for him. What race was that? That was Silverstone. Um, the race he won. Yep. Right. He specifically was like, and he showed, and he showed that I'm not ability gonna. throughout the entire yep. season and other races to understand the feel of yeah. his car. Mm-hmm. He what was it? He pitted. And he he. They were telling him to hold back everybody from Leclerc, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm good. Like, let me just pit and mm-hmm. do what I can." On the contrary. We have Charles Leclerc, who towards the end of the season developed more of his voice, started pushing back, but he was doing everything that they wanted that they wanted him to do to his complete detriment. We saw he was the only guy that came out in intermediates. What was it, Sao Paulo, mm-hmm. Brazil? And it's like, I, I I don't know. To me, I'd be like, dude, like. You see every other car. You see it's not. Just get me on these. Get me on the slicks. Like figure it out. In order for him to get to world champion level, you need that uh, sort of think on your feet, think on your own, and not be afraid. You got to run your own your own race. So we constantly see uh, Lewis Hamilton. You know, make those calls. Or I'm coming in. Granted, he laments a lot. Oh, you should have brought me in. Whatever. Mm -hmm. What it turns out to be. But they have that that team behind them that is strong, not mm-hmm. like Ferrari. We see George Russell make those gambles a lot. That got him points with Williams. I just don't see that with Charles Leclerc. And I see that as a negative for him right now. It's something that's easily fixable, but he just needs to kind of go his own way. I agree. I agree. He needs to, much like what Max does at Red Bull, uh, galvanize a team towards him and make sure that if mistakes are made, people are held accountable. Mm-hmm. No, that is not acceptable. Right. And make sure that when those mistakes are made, that they're not made again. Right. Right. Even if you have to put your foot down. Right. I feel like, dude, like sometimes, like, and you could probably go back and watch some. I feel like science is like a technician driving. He doesn't have like the pure. He doesn't have like the pure talent of like a Max or a Charles Leclerc, but he's just such a technician. It's almost like a. Granted, Vettel had the talent too, but it's almost like watching Seb Vettel, like the heir apparent. To I was Seb just Vettel. about to say that it's it, crazy. It, uh, it, it it reminds me a lot of Vettel and the way Vettel used to call his own strategy and and tires and things like that. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. was um. That's what that's what Carlos Sainz is becoming. Well, that's, he's being and, forced to do that because the team is not doing it for him. Yeah, and it's just being aware. How hard is that? Think Extremely. about Extremely. You got to like know everybody behind like you. You're, you're going, how how fast are you going in a race car? How long are these tracks? And if you've been to enough one race, you see like 
This is this is a massive track. It looks small on TV, but these are massive tracks. And just know where everybody's at, what tires everybody's on. It's crazy. The times and you know, it's it takes it takes a lot of wherewithal mm-hmm. to not only think of all of this, but also driving a car right. at almost two hundred miles an hour. It's right. it's superhuman to me. I have to take to Jackie Robinson every day and every morning when it's dark and I'm like, I'm like holy crap, what about this? Well, I have to turn everything off so I could like, <laughs> just right, that's on the Jackie turn. Robinson going you know, 40 wa- miles watching, per hour. You know, watching Carlos Sainz driver reminds me of how Wellington drives. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. How many flat tires have we got? <laughs> so listen, last up, Red Bull. Uh, let's start negative so we at least end on a positive note. Negative. Checo Perez needs to figure it out. He needs to figure out what he is as a driver. Uh, yeah, you can save tires if you go slow. You got to stop going slow, though. Yep. He has, to, he has to work on that balance of the tire management balance and, and the pace. Because Max was lights out. He, he's blowing them away. And the, the the biggest, obviously, besides winning it all for them, or winning, you know, the worst champ, the world, the drivers' championship, and the and the constructor, to me was the way they reacted to Ferrari because Ferrari brought it on super strong. I was granted then Ferrari fell off through the year, but it forced Red Bull to bring because obviously they were having some little issues at the beginning with the pumps. Forced Red Bull to bring in their upgrades so quick, and the upgrades worked to the T. Yeah, because they had pretty much pretty much no issue with the car after that. You guys are way too hopeful on Checo Perez. Hopeful or hopeless? What? Hopeless. <laughs> it should be hopeless. I mean, he is what he is. I'm not hopeful if, at all. If he, if you know, Checo Perez is what he is, and if he wants to be a better driver, he needs to step up to the next level. But that next level is two-time world champion Max Verstappen, who blew away the field in the same car he did. That's a tall task. And there are other drivers that, if you put in that same car, would blow him away as well. He is a good number two driver, much like what Botas is. Um, but he's never going to be a number one. And I think that's the way Red Bull wants it, clearly. Looking at what transpired at the end of the year. Yeah. That's the way Red Bull wants it. And like I said, part of the reason that they brought in Ricardo is to be like, yo, we have a eight-time Grand Prix winner that used to drive for us. That knows how we work. One knows how to drive a Red Bull car. If you don't stay in line, you can go. Yeah. Also, on the negative is they need to figure out. It's cool. It's fun. It's nice to talk about week to week. Whatever. Nice to think about. They need to stay out of the controversies. I feel like there's so much that was swirling around Red Bull this year. It's just like, uh, it, it just tarnishes it tarnishes uh, what was a completely dominant year from Max Verstappen. It just kind of tarnishes it, like the cost cap stuff mm-hmm. and just it, all the other, like, just small crap that comes up throughout the year. Like, eh, it's just whatever. Cost cap is what, what stereo social baseball. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, look, on the positive side... Little asterisk the titles. Yeah. On the positive side, they're back on the Constructors' Championship level. They won 17 of 22 races this Jeez, year. That's insane. Right? So, that level of dominance 
we'll save for Mercedes. We weren't even thinking that they were so dominant this year, but they were. They weren't just, they just weren't running away with it like Lewis was. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. a minute lead, you know. Uh, They have. But I also think that's due to the cars. The new, the new, the new new cars, yeah. yeah. They have. But they were by far the best car on the grid. Yeah, I agree. They have the most. The best driver on on the grid. Mm -hmm. The best car with the best driver on the grid. Any other positives? It's hard to. There's so many superlatives you could throw that it's hard to really like zoom in on one, you know? They have a good they have a good like pit team, they have good strategy, but this goes back to even before back in like 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, they were always good on strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great mechanics that can fix a car and Yep. It's a well oiled machine and I can't wait for Mercedes to get back to the top again so that they can fight toe to toe again. Well, it's like uh, like Christian Horner said, they are a subsidiary of an energy drink company that is not only taking on but beating some of the most storied Damn, OEMs, original equipment manufacturers, in the world. I say, like, talk about a jab. <laughs> when you, well, and this is and this is what Christian Horner said. And also, when, talk about a low when, low, the, low, when, the, when you get to the top, the knives get sharper. So, all right, boys. Uh, just to close this out, anything to look forward to next year? Mercedes back on top. That's what I'm looking for. Hit the drop. <laughs> so I'm looking for him. Yeah, Watch look, out. I'm looking to see what Ferrari's going to do. How are they going to respond to this year? That's what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to see if Mercedes is back on top. George Russell, World Drivers Champion. Oof. And I'll leave it at that. All right, at Jump to Start F1 Twitter and Instagram, Jump to Start Racing Podcast. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. It's not race week. We will see you guys next year. Peace. Peace.